Previously on the Lineage of Moonreach, we discovered that our loved ones are all separately taken and held up in two separate cities. We we made plans to go to one or the other, knowing that we not, might not be able to go to the other one. Beforehand, I wanted to bring our dead dwarf friends to the Baldurak to inter their bodies for a later date. I brought my daughter Wyra along because I wanted to, her to experience the Soulforge in person. Unbeknownst to me, Agriman and the souls of the dwarves had more plans. Also, Pinman and Gorbel, for some reason, went into the Bag of Holding, and they're there now. The D20 Syndicate presents The Lineage of Moonreach. Welcome back to the D20 Syndicate Podcast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A weekly Dungeons and Dragons 5e actual play podcast. I am your host and DM, Seth. And around the table of the internet, we have our players. I'm Billy, and I play Will. I'm Tomas, I play Tomar. (laughs) I'm Lindsay, and I play Pinwin. And I'm Michaela, and I play Gorbel. That's right. Each week we record for your listening pleasure. We are on episode 110. Yeah, we do. 110. Oh. <laughs> wow. 110. Yeah, yeah we 10. <laughs> 10 it is, baby. <laughs> 10 <it> city. Ten. <laughs> 10 and Peller. <laughs> no, thank you. I, I hated it. I hated it when it came out of my mouth. Thank you. Do you think the pot, the not the podcast? Do you think this campaign will make it to the end of the year? There's like ten episodes. There's like ten episodes left of this year. So, will we get into? Man, that's yeah, wild. It seems like it seems like we were just like chatting about Spooky. the uh, the Halloween release mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that I was like that too. was almost a year ago now. That's yeah. wild. That is wild. Yeah. Back before yeah. the over, chocolate milk famine. Over a year ago, we were giddily talking about our next characters for yeah. the next campaign. <laughs> yeah. Like in June of last year, we were like, oh, yeah. My character has oh. changed like four times since then. Yeah, mine's changed. All right. Well, I think it's time for tonight's Around the Campfire question. Oh, yeah. Okay. Tonight's Around the Campfire question is, tell me about a famous ancient hero from another nation what their most famous act was i said famous famous act was and how long ago they lived also they should be dead by now um and uh we'll go with gorbel so the one i chose is from thousands of years ago i don't know how many exactly thousands is good sorry go ahead (laughs) also accurate so no, I messed it in. It's good. Shut That's fine. Shh. Meets the criteria. <laughs> All right. Let me make sure I meet everything so I get full points for this campfire question. <laughs> it was a guy from Zugo named uh, Foyaga, and he started that style of Zugoese fighting. And he did that because he frequently worked on boats. And back then, the boats were kind of like these flat almost like rafts, so they were kind of hard to balance on, so it was a very like low-to-the-ground style of fighting that helped you keep your balance as you did so. And that was that's what he was most famous for, is developing that? Mm-hmm. It's still used today. Mm-hmm. 
Very nice. Thank you, Gorble. Um, Willem, do you need a minute? Maybe. Tomar. <laughs> um, back before the time that Veildolin was Veildolin, <clears throat> in Avstand, there was not quite a hero, but an infamous warrior named Glod the Bloody. And he was a werebear. And from all accounts, he was the first werebear. People don't know if he was like ever human, but he was like eight feet tall. And he had a really big, great axe. And he was known so infamously because he developed a way that you could single-handedly fight frost giants. And he could he could chop right through their their the place where their kneecap meets their like calf and stuff, and then bring them down that way. Um, and yeah, he wasn't really a hero, but he really liked killing frost giants. So that's what he's in my book. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck a frost giant. He also fucked a frost giant. (laughs) (laughs) And that was Uh, also a bloody affair. (laughs) Um, Willem. Uh, So my hero is from Corcoligo. Nice. Uh, He didn't really have any martial skill to speak of, but what he was most famous for was developing a writing style that is conducive with satire these days. Mm. He was kind of the first to trailblaze uh, what's kind of referred to as breaking the fourth wall. (laughs) And uh, he started publishing these stories uh, in his local paper. And what he would do is essentially write diary entries or journal entries in the perspective of somebody made up essentially and what he did was try and spread these stories to other nations so that they might gain perspective of other people's situations and scenarios Uh, when they found out that he was actually writing everything himself they had him drawn and quartered and uh, his body spread out across Veldolin, but everybody kind of knows now, like, oh, that was a good thing that he did, but people were mad about being lied to. Interesting. They didn't get the satire? <laughs> they they did not. It was like the the Argarian equivalent of sharing a fake news website. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> like if Andy Kaufman got just thrown to the wolves. Uh, did, I'm sorry, did you tell me what this uh, gentleman's name was? His name was Pants Strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Attorney Pants. at Law. Esquire. Esquire the third. Uh no, his his name was Sully Mungo. Sully Mungo. <laughs> Mungo. Is that one word? No. Mungo no. sounds like a a phrase From you the, would say that's like radical, <laughs> Mungo, Mungo, dude, <laughs> Flamio, Hotman, Pinwin. Okay, um, <clears throat> are you ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> he said erotically, <laughs> trying said to remove stallingly. his clothes that stuck. <laughs> <clears throat> he said flailing from the back of an alchemist. <laughs> <laughs> A party hers. I'm hanging out, flailing from the back of an El Camino. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to tell you a story that I've heard from, 
Uh, it's been it's been told a really long time. I don't even know when it happened, but it, I just it's the first thing that came to mind. It's a Yahoo News article. <laughs> so the hero I'm thinking of is a bugbear. <laughs> a bugbear named Bigby the Grare, Great Bear. We call it Bigby the Grare. We just like it. And so what he did is, um, I mean, there's a story with it. Is that okay? Is that allowed? That's fine. Good. <laughs> because Good, I don't think I can tell anyway. you about him without it. So he just kind of showed up in a quaint village. So the village mostly had like gnomes and halflings and the village was called Smidge. <laughs> <laughs> and it was known for being very peaceful, full of flowers and forestry and a very strong sense of community. And then... Yeah, so, yeah, Bixby just kind of showed up one day, and they're like, all right, you can, whatever, hang out. And then, one day, the town went under attack by some evil group like the town has never seen. Bixby ended up guarding, so there was this one small entrance to the town, you know? They just Mm -hmm. had, like, it was almost like a little doorway. It was, like, Mm -hmm. very small. And so, he ended up guarding it and actually ended up sacrificing himself with a loud roar and some say they thought they saw fire emerge from his roar, but we'll never know because they couldn't see beyond his corpse. So, but <laughs> but all the people died. So that's that's what happened. Even the wait, town? all the people in the village? Huh? Well, no, and I mean all the baddies. Oh, yeah. Because okay. eventually, I think they uh, they must have done something. I don't know if they had to like find tools or something to try to get Bigsby down. Because that'd be hard with all those little. How do you even get in? <laughs> But, a swift kick. But yeah, then they saw all the baddies were dead. So yeah, Bigsby wow. the Grayer. He was pretty okay. epic. Who right? You, okay. Who do you think would win in a fight between him and Glod? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Bigsby. It's a tale as old as time. It is. <laughs> People have been arguing about that for centuries. Yep. All right. Shall we get started? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. When we last left off, you guys were all in disparate locations. In a bag. Um, Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Uh, Pinwin and <laughs> Gorbel and Ura were in the bag of holding as Is it Tomar- disparate? I think it's disparate. Disparate? Disparate? Do you mean desperate? <laughs> disparate. <laughs> um, in v- different locations. Um, uh Pinwin and Gorbel and Ura were in the bag of holding because Tomar could only take so many people and they slunk into the bag of holding and were floating around in the ether, uh, the void, if you will, inside the bag of holding and had heard Dildane's voice and they saw a a, uh, shimmering light in the distance and Dildane promising that he had one of their friends with him. Tomar, you were... Disparate. Disparate. Tomar, you were (laughs) in Wirecrag, and you had just seen a marvelous transformation uh, as Wirecrag reached out and uh, basically enraptured your daughter and uh, had uh, spoke as to her future, uh, which it, you know, Wirecrag indicated was still probably a ways off. The greatness that she would achieve, but for a low, low price of twenty nine ninety nine. Dude, God, I know that's now. your. I know that's your god and all, but he just enraptured your daughter, dude. You gonna let him do that? <laughs> but uh, so yeah, you guys have you have witnessed this, you know, uh, change, 
and Willem, you are sitting in the tavern in Wolves Rest. Oh, I forgot he never went. Jesus. <laughs> waiting uh, to see what kind of transpires after you have learned, much like the others, that different uh, people you care about were taken. Uh, your uh, beloved Shigara was one of those taken, and I'm sure underneath your uh, usual exterior there is boiling rage. Um, <clears throat> now, we are going to start with Willem. Mongo. <laughs> Willem, Mongo. as you're uh, kind of sitting there at the table, you had been talking to Len, and uh, Len had indicated that he believed that uh, for, uh, for successful venture, you should focus on one city, uh, as he, you know, based on the information that he has, he thought that trying to sp- divide the forces to focus on more than one uh, was a bad idea. However, as you're sitting there, you hear off in the distance. <laughs> the fucking Olympics. Is, <laughs> is Tommy summoning the dragon sword? <laughs> no, that's. <laughs> Sued. <laughs> you hear it ring out again from from out somewhere outside the tavern and suddenly the door pushes open and you see Brom standing there and he looks a little like kind of a a little must he's 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 like frantically looking around and he spots you uh, willem willem uh, uh someone has arrived uh in the in the in the lock you, you've got to come where, where are the others who's arrived I, what are we uh, talking it, about it looks like a royal ship do we know from where uh, do, is it flying it, it any looks flags like the flag appears to be the queen of rothias how did they get here so quickly <laughs> Cut, Cut, they, you've got to, you've got to come. They're they're they're, they're, they're using that season to seven technology. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. All right. Um, Koth, Rufus, you guys want to accompany me? They both nod and stand up. Is uh, Miraluk still with us? Yes, Miraluk is still with you. I I just shoot a shoot a look at Miraluk. Like you coming? He like sighs in a, his his uh, construct way, stands up, flexes his arms, kind of, and then uh, kind of gingerly touches uh, the sword that is affixed to his back. All right, Bram, let's go. All right, uh, right this way. And he leads you guys out of the tavern, and you guys go stomping down the cobblestones down towards the harbor, where you can very clearly <laughs> see uh, that this is the royal symbol of. Rothia, f- uh, fluttering from the flag, it is uh, it is a uh, a white uh, hawk uh, on a blue, uh, sorry, a red uh, field. And uh, as you kind of uh, get closer to the harbor, you can see that it's a large, opulent, majestic ship that somehow has made it down the rivers, one of the rivers that lead into the lock. And uh, though it looks almost way too big to have come down the rivers because you don't typically see ships of this size. This is definitely a seafaring ship. And it is floating and very easily avoiding the, uh, the lock's teeth, those large dagger-like spires that uh, out rocky outcroppings that are poking through the flesh of the, of the lock and, uh, and navigates until it's about maybe... A hundred yards out from the harbor, and you hear. 
again, and as you look, you can see that there are a bunch of uh, trumpeteers on the the uh, the near side of the of the ship, as if announcing very in in a grandiose way uh, that uh, they have arrived. And you watch as a uh, little boat is lowered and kind of slinks toward the harbor, and uh, a familiar face uh, steps out, and uh, it is the voice of the queen, uh, the gentleman from before who walks up, and he kind of, like, brushes himself off. Uh, hello. hello. Uh, um, uh, well, uh, uh, and he looks, and he sees a bunch of unfamiliar faces, but he sees yours, Willem. How many um, days ago did he leave? Like three. How the hell did... <clears throat> He said it might take a week. Jeez. <laughs> so really he, overestimated. He looks at he looks at you, Willem. Um, where, where, where are the where are the others? You don't need to worry about that right now. Uh, <laughs> I we weren't expecting you for at least a few more days. Oh yes, I apologize. I know we're, I know we're early, but uh, the queen, when I told her of your um, sort of demands to to meet, she wanted to do it sooner rather than later. So I do apologize for this. Um, uh, she is, uh, she is here, though, uh, would you, would, is, are you available to meet with her? Uh, given the circumstances that we were under the understanding or the impression that we would have more time to prepare, uh, would she be incredibly put out if we were to request a little bit of prep time beforehand? As you can see, the others are indisposed right now. Uh, I am acting as ambassador. <laughs> Concierge. Dad? <laughs> Concierge. Uh, my name is Michel. Um, no, uh, <laughs> I, I'm acting just as to greet and welcome, uh, but we ask that you hold off on actually uh, departing the ship and actually uh, coming ashore. Is that okay? Uh, give me a persuasion roll. 24. He, uh, he, he kind of looks, uh, back over his shoulder and then kind of looks at you and, uh, ah, yes, I can, I can, uh, tell, uh, uh, the, the queen that, that, that there's, that there's been a hiccup and I will, I will, I will see what, what she says. Um, I sh shall return if there's any changes, but, uh, do you mind if we, at the very least, uh, drop the anchor in the lock. Yeah, that should be fine. Uh, how many will we be hosting? Well, just a small retinue for the queen. Um, we don't want to swarm swarm the city. I think that would be something that would make others uncomfortable. So uh, probably a party of maybe perhaps six, myself and the queen included, so eight. Okay. <clears throat> if you okay. wanted to, you could like, kill the shit out of them. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably. Um, okay, I I will address the others and make sure that we make preparations uh, that would accommodate a party as such. Please extend my condolences to the queen for our un <laughs> untoward. I guess uh, un unaccommodating greeting. Uh, she's you guys just kind of took us by surprise. Uh, give me another persuasion roll. <laughs> Not any high stakes here, but <laughs> I just love rolling really high. That was a 19. Uh, so that would be 30. Okay. Oh, uh, yes, uh, absolutely. You were, yeah, that is, that's completely fine. Um, I'll, I will relay the message and I appreciate the, 
the, the regal nature of your of your request it's very it's it's very different from the last time I was here no 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 offense Fuck intended him. <laughs> Prick. And he he turns and he I, hops I sudden, back in. I suddenly feel like Tomar is taking over my body, and I just headbutt him. <laughs> no, he uh, he turns and he hops back in his boat. And though you notice that he doesn't have any oars or anything like that, the boat just glides along back towards the ship. Oh, that's not right, <laughs> Tomar. <sighs> All right, has Balar even made it here yet? Um, he has not made it there yet. I'm just checking on Wyra right now to see if she's okay. Like, wiping her tears away and looking at my other family, seeing what's going on with them. They all seem very taken aback. Wyra has now quieted down, and it seems like there's something... She's, her eyes seem to be, like, flitting around as if she's looking at something. Maybe almost like she's reading something, but she's just... Kind of looking around, but not at anyone there. Almost as in the looking in the blank through air. things. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna sort of not understand, and I'm gonna try and look in her, the direction she's looking. <laughs> but. You don't see anything except the. Uh, you know, she's kind of looking in the direction of the Soul Forge, but also just kind of like a blank area around it. Um, you can see far on the other side. There's people hard at work. There isn't anything in that basin, is there? Where I dropped the other stuff. The what? There was like a basin that you put stuff in when you're making the other things. Oh, the little like uh, like the sole workbench, yeah. essentially. Um, you'd have to go over to the, to check. You're not near it. I'll stop over there real quick, waiting for. Yeah, uh, as you kind of examine it, you can see that. Uh, Looks like it hasn't really been touched since the last time you've you've interacted with it since you've you know since the time that you guys were kind of fighting Aro uh, above Warcrag there, and uh, so you've had some time to like come back and forth, and all your tools are set where they were the la- when you last left, uh, maybe a few weeks ago or however long it was. It's hard to remember at this point, and. Um, but yeah, nothing looks out of place. There's nothing new, um, and it doesn't look like anybody else has been fucking around with it. Okay. Well, I'll go back and I'll wait. Okay. Um, eventually, a uh, a little Karagar comes like marching up. Ah, Tomar. Valor ah, uh, uh, wants to talk to you. Were there any other Karagar in there, or gnomes, or anybody that saw what happened just now? Uh, yeah, there, there definitely were, but one of the kind of the weird, maybe not weird, but one of the maybe admirable qualities about them is that they've been so accustomed to weird shit happening from the Soul Forge that it doesn't really bother them to see things out of the ordinary happening. They know that they're working with the Wolves of Moonreach, specifically Tomar, and weird shit tends to happen around you. And while they may have looked up, and kind of like raised an eyebrow at what happened. Nothing that really made them pause. Okay. Almost as if they're kind of blasé to the whole thing. Hey, it's a Wednesday. <laughs> it's a living. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll follow uh, him. Okay. And he uh, he leads you down uh, kind of a, like in through the area uh, with that little kind of floating elevator back through down uh, into kind of the depths of the working area and you can see a lot more Karagar and gnomes working together and you can see that they're fashioning um, they've got probably 10 uh, 
constructs that they're working on of various sizes. You can even see one that's like about 10 feet tall. And that one uh, doesn't have a head on it. It's missing an arm and a leg. Um, and it's like open and exposed as if they're still like putting together a lot of it. But you can see like the, the, main, the main skeleton and frame is, is in place. And it's a, it's a big boy. It's a healthy boy. Cool. Um, and as you kind of like mix around through there, you can see uh, Balor kind of like limping through. Um, and he sees you and he raises his hand. Oh, Tomar. And he, like, comes up and he grasps your forearm and he puts his other hand on the outside of your arm and kind of gives it a firm pump. You're sounding a lot better, my friend. I've been working with the healers to to fix this. Uh, it's slow going, but it's, uh, yes, as you said, it's a little bit better. Very good, very good. You, I know I had called for you, but you said you wished to see me. Oh yes, I, uh, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm still a little uh, uh, injured with my legs, so I'm not able to make it up that elevator. So I, this is as far as I can go at the moment. But uh, I wanted to uh, meet you here, uh, so I thought that would be better. So you didn't have to come all the way to me, and I didn't have to go up on top of Werkrag. That's smart. Mad respect. What, what, what can I help you with? Uh, a couple things, actually. Um, so you'll see these people here, these these small children. They're actually he, he looks at them. Ah, Clan Iron Fist. You might have you might have seen them at the funeral, but these are my children, and I introduce them one by one. They have your look, except uh, this one. And he kind of looks at Wyra. Yeah. Um. Is she of the same clan? Yeah, she is of the same clan, but... Good, good. Uh, there was mystery surrounding her and her birth. Uh, her mother had a vision about her, um, and that her name would be Wyra. And you can see this mark on her face, um, and we... I thought she was surrounded in prophecy, so I brought her here to the Soul Forge because I wanted to see just what would happen. And I wish you would have been there to see it because the Soul Forge reached out and spoke to all of us, saying that she was chosen and her future lies with the Forge. Yes, I did not need to be there. I heard Warkarag's voice as I was approaching. Oh, okay, well. And he kind of, like, regards Wyra a little bit, and he stoops down a little bit. You can tell it kind of hurts his hip, but he, he like, stoops down a little bit and, and looks at Wyra. He keeps, like, a, about five feet of distance, and he kind of, like, walks around her slightly uh, as if he's, like, searching for something. And then he, like, turns and looks back up at you, Tomar. Ah, uh, yes. The Warkarag surrounds her. I'm going to gently pull him away from them, like about a good ten feet, so I can talk to him privately. This this child, she's she's important. She's not even, she's not like me. I stumbled upon this power, but she was, she was born with it. Um, she needs to be protected at all costs. He and, nods. And, I agree with you. And I'm... I have a lot of eggs in a basket. 
I'm trying to save the world as we speak, but her future, her future needs to be guaranteed. Her mother was recently captured and taken <sighs> to another city, and I'm not sure when we'll be able to save her or if we'll even be able to save her. And our home is not defensible. We've had so many people swoop in to attack or kidnap people from there. I was wondering if you and the Kargar would do me this great favor of watching my family here, finding somewhere where they can't be harmed or located until I can return. And he shakes he shakes his head and puts his hand up. You don't need to request. We will do this. It is the least we can do for you for reigniting Wirecrag. I pat him on the shoulder. <sighs> Thank you. I don't even know when or if I'll be able to return here. I don't know. I don't we know will. where this will take us. And if the worst should happen, she'll need people to guide her, to teach her, and show her the ways of her people, and just make sure that she's ready when the time comes. I will make sure of that. We will take her in as if she is one of our own. Thank you. Is there anything else? Yeah, there is actually. <laughs> Funny that you got any milk. So <laughs> I've got this itch right back. We have we have a couple of dwarf brethren that have recently met their maker, and I would like to honor them with a funeral or maybe with reincarnation if their if their spirits are so choosing. But we don't really have time to deal with those problems right now. I was wondering if you had like a like a cairn or a mausoleum or something we could inter them to keep them in repose until we come back. Yes, uh, we can keep them in our cairn. It right. is quite cold. I mean, I can cast a spell too, just to make sure they're preserved. But either way, um, we got them in this bag, <laughs> and then I—he like eyes the bag. Don't ask. It's. It's a weird thing. Anyway, I'm going to see if I can get them out. I don't know how this works. And then I will open the bag. So how the bag kind of works is you reach your hand in and you think about what you need and it emerges. Okay. So I reach for, first I'll reach for uh, um, Nugget's foot. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I reach for his chicken nugs. <laughs> All right, so you pull Nugget out, and uh, and uh, Balor like snaps. Oh, and uh, a couple of dwarves come running over a couple of the Karagar, and they gently take I uh, Nugget's body. They gently take Nugget's body, and uh, with a nod to you, Tomar, they kind of whisk him off. And then I think about um, Dildane, and I reach in. God. Uh. <laughs> we were talking Nothing to happens when you think oh. of Dildane. And I look up, uh. like with my hand still in the bag, I look up at <laughs> Bella. <like, laughs> then I, with my other hand, I like, raise a finger. Like I keep feeling around. Um, and now we're going to switch to Pinwin and Gorbel. I'm in a bag. Gorbel and Pinwin, you are in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of floating through the ether and you just... 
<laughs> you just heard Dildane kind of uh, announce that he was with someone, a friend of yours. Quick side note, whenever I hear the name Dildane, I think of pickles. I think of dildos. God. I think of both. Ugh. It's Deal Dane, you assholes. <laughs> yeah, Can't well, it's a deal dose. Stupid pickles. <laughs> I think of pickle looking dildos. Okay. Pildos? You. Briny. His, his name is now Pildos? Frank. Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, like a like a Frank, a footlong Frank, like a dildo. That makes footlong. me also think of dildos. <laughs> <laughs> At a certain point, this is on you. Um. <laughs> I'm with you, Tomas. <laughs> Just can't get it out of my head. <laughs> um, so you guys are floating there. And Dildane has just announced, uh, it's a, f- a, f- a friend of yours. And you guys hear kind of a... <laughs> through the void and things start to shift and suddenly you're no longer in the same void you were just in. Instead, you're in a, like a vaguely illuminated space. It's kind of like a gray light. It's kind of dim and there's a gr- ground. You guys are standing on the ground of some kind. You look down, it's like black rock and um, you hear the... <laughs> And from the gray light, you see a silhouette sort of appear. It looks to be a, some sort of bird. And the bird flaps through and gets close to you and then starts to transform. And it takes the shape of a woman. Ooh. And standing before you is Zara, Global's mom. Whoa. And the Raven Queen. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> cool. Excuse me? Just kidding. Wait, you're saying she is the Raven Queen. We knew that already. Yes. Well, yeah, Yeah. we knew that, but he said, and the Raven Queen. Uh, Comma, and the Raven Queen. Or, no, no comma. (laughs) The and is the comma. (laughs) Yeah, the and is the comma. They are one in the same. They are one in the same. Semicolons. Semicolons. (laughs) Easier. No, that's also separating two subjects. I'll separate your subjects (laughs) and your predicates. (laughs) <laughs> what about and my you're... dangling participles? <laughs> well, is there a conjunction? Because then we have a problem. Oh, the, uh, no, I got a, a shot and it took care of that. Um, <laughs> conjunction vitus. I hate uh, this episode of Schoolhouse I... Rock. <laughs> it's the, 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 uh, the very highly criticized episode. Um, the after school special. <laughs> but yes, Zara. Guys, bag it up. <laughs> Zara is standing in front of you two. She doesn't say anything, but she smiles. Mom? She just continues to smile. She looks at both of you. Wait, how did you get in the bag? Yeah, what? (laughs) I am not bound by such things as bags. (laughs) (laughs) Or perhaps mansions or time. Are we? I am here as a memory. I need to show you something. This is, this is my bag. <laughs> Everything starts shifting, and suddenly you guys find yourself in the dark with another dim light in the distance, but this one is a little green. You seem to be in some sort of tunnel, a rocky tunnel. Can I put and you can my hear voices. On? You can. I'll put my goggles on. It doesn't seem to actually have any effect where you are right now. Corporal, it's not working. I can't see anything. Maybe they're broken. <laughs> oh, like, Tap them. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, it looks a little familiar to you, 
you're fairly certain you are in the cave outside of Moonreach. Why are we here? It's just you two. You don't see Zara anymore. Suddenly, she has disappeared. But you do hear voices in the distance, and you hear conversation. It sounds like Zara and Gorm and a few other adults from when you were children speaking in kind of quieter tones as they discuss what sounds like you're hearing little bits of it, but it sounds like they're talking about what is necessary. Pinwin, we need to get a little bit closer. Absolutely. We have to be a little bit sneaky here. Definitely. Okay, let's do it. All right, give me stealth checks. Okay. They're just oh, <laughs> yeah. I rolled 20. They're just arguing about the best hot pocket. It's it's between ham oh. and cheese and pepperoni right now. <laughs> Ooh. That was horrible. Pepperoni, hands down. Is it too late for inspiration? Sometimes I feel like a, a high ham and cheese, though. Well, if I haven't said whether you failed or not, you can use inspiration if you'd like. I, I'll say... Hey, Coral. Hey, Coral. What? And Bardic Inspiration. Is that a D10 for you? I think so. Let me double check. Quit whispering. I <laughs> think so. Let me double check. <laughs> well, I don't think Pinwin is actually going to verbally be double checking. <laughs> yes. It's now, let me see what my kiss does. <laughs> <laughs> How much kiss points? Kiss. <clears throat> I got 37 I then. Crap. Okay, even with that, I got 13. Can I? As you guys are trying to be sneaky, you guys realize that as you're walking, your footsteps don't make any sound whatsoever. In fact, your voices, you're realizing, are sort of muted cool. as you speak. But we still understand each other? You do. Nice. Weird. So we stand there just screaming in each other's faces. <laughs> and I'll start doing, like, <laughs> aggressive backflips. <laughs> and nothing, though you make noise, nothing seems to alert those down the uh, corridor Insert to your presence. montage of us being loud and obnoxious here and then we do a yeah high five. <laughs> and then we miss all of the important information. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like anyway we have to keep this between us. <laughs> like shit! Uh, can you montage! <laughs> <laughs> Alright we proceed. Yeah. Okay. Very quietly. As you get closer, you see the group of adults, the parents, gathered around the black well. But also, you see yourselves interacting with them. Mm. As children or as adults? As adults. So one oh. time when we were with them, right? Yeah, that's just, yeah, we already did that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And just as you guys peek around the corner, you guys watch as the group of you disappears and the parents are left to their own devices and uh, Zara turns to Gorm and says do you think they'll be able to do anything and Gorm just kind of like harumps <sighs> I guess we'll see and then from behind you guys you hear very soft footsteps can we see anything uh, you turn and you don't see anything in the darkness it still sounds a little bit off but they also don't seem to be aware of these footsteps. Oh, no. I grab Pinwin's arm. You hear that, right? I do. Let's go right against the wall. Maybe they won't see us. <laughs> what if they're... <sighs> okay. Well, if so, if they can't hear us and they can't see us, maybe this can't either. But I don't... <sighs> what if they're with us? I don't know. Instead. I like the idea of getting against the wall. Yeah. Hiding. So you guys flatten yourselves against we the wall? We pancake mm -hmm. against the and wall. And try to hide in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> 
You guys watch as slowly while Oh, I was front facing the wall. (laughs) (laughs) I turn around. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't. (laughs) I flipped my pancake. (laughs) (laughs) You turn around and now you can see slowly out of the darkness emerges a shape. You see a long tail, a very tall shape, almost seven feet, wrapped in robes and very like bright white scaly flesh. You're looking at a young version Fuck. of Aro. Motherfucker. Kill he approaches very carefully and behind him, though you don't see, or you, though you don't hear, excuse me, any additional footsteps, you see a form moving behind him as well in dark red robes and a mask. No. Mm. You're looking at the master. The two of them slowly approach, not speaking, but they also don't seem to see you. And they move up to the entryway to the room with the well. And without any further warning, the master yells, Now, Aro! And all of a sudden, Aro, his hands spring out and magic starts just flashing out of it, just bright, like, popping magic and suddenly there is chaos as there's a fight breaking out inside of the chamber and you guys watch as Gorm unleashes his blade and you can hear it singing through the air as he comes after Aro and the master. Oh, it's cool when he does it. (laughs) (laughs) His makes cooler sounds. You'll get there eventually. It's the same Um, sound. (laughs) <laughs> you just go, it's the same sound. I don't know. It's just cooler when Gorm does it. <laughs> it's hotter, too. Um, <laughs> and he he swings at Aro. Aro ducks underneath it and throws a blast out. And Gorm pulls up a shield and it kind of glances off. And he turns his attention to the master. And he flashes his blade at the master and the master just brings his hand up and stops the blade and grabs it. And Gorm swings out with a punch to hit the master and the master grabs his fist and starts like twisting it down. So Gorm, having no other recourse, headbutts the master. (laughs) And you watch as he kind of stumbles backward and then straightens up and starts to float through the air. And... You watch as like lightning starts crackling around him, can and we? Aro raises his hands, and you can watch as an like this kind of colorless orb that still bends light around its edges starts forming in his hands, and you see um, Violet Wilkins start firing arrows that then get absorbed by this orb in his hands. He everywhere she fires, his orb is in the spot and they just disappear into its depths. It's an absorb orb. <laughs> it's absorb. And uh, and then you, as you guys are watching, you hear another set of footsteps. These ones are much quicker. Heavy boots running down the path and there's a flash of light behind whatever this figure is. And the two of you see a silhouette, tall, very muscular, with long hair, and give me a perception check, both of you. Mandorin was here too, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh no! What'd you get, Pinwin? Thirty-four. 
Okay. I can just never roll well on a perception. <laughs> 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 I consistently roll ones, twos. Gorble, you're just so shocked by what's going on. I that's a six. Okay, so yeah, Gorble, you are kind of enraptured by watching your, you know, the parents interact in this way and have a big battle royale in this cave. Whereas Pinwin, these people, you know who they are, but they're not your parents. So it's easier for you to kind of um, not be as invested in what's currently going I'm on because when you hear. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like a, like a movie. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and uh, you see the flash. You also see the flash, Gorble, but it's out of the corner of your eye, whereas Pinwin, you had heard the footsteps, so you looked right at it. And the two of you can see this large silhouette with long, flowing hair. And Pinwin, it almost strikes you as the silhouette, because you can't see the features super well, almost looks like Beldan, in a sense. Mm. Like large... A large body, but you can tell that the proportions are off. It's not him, but there's something that rem- kind of reminds you of Beldan with the long hair, the huge build, and the kind of the thunderous appearance. And you watch as this person runs in, throws a hand up, and a wall of rock gets thrown up in the cavern right between... Gorm and the master just as they separate, trapping the master and Aro with whatever this, whoever this person is. And as you guys watch, now some of the details are kind of, you're able to see a little bit more clearly. Whoever this person is, they have a big beard. Um, also long. Their hair is long down and, and uh, kind of in locks. And Gorble too, now you get the impression that you, like, this is like very likely the stylistic <laughs> inspiration for Beldan, but it's not Beldan. This appears to be some sort of hobgoblin with grayish blue skin and and Pinwin. You there's something familiar about the face of this uh person. And as you look back and forth between the man standing there in combat and Gorble, you see a similarity between the two of them. You guys are looking at Roshgal, Gorbel's father. Whoa. And he, after, as the master turns, Aro turns as well. And Roshgal pops a latch on his waist and pulls out this massive golden sword and lifts it up. And the three of them immediately engage in combat. The master looks, well, as far as you can tell from behind the mask, as if he wants to immediately kill this person. And he throws his hand out, and you watch as the kind of the area around Roshgal starts to shift and change. And he swipes through whatever was happening with his golden sword, and you watch as it dissipates. (laughs) And you watch as each time they throw a magical attack, he throws his blade up, And every time the blade touches this magic, the magic just immediately dissipates, regardless of what they hurl at him. Roshgal rushes up and kicks the master in the chest and goes to swipe down, but the master suddenly disappears, (laughs) leaving just Aro and Roshgal. But you can hear kind of echoing through the chamber, Aro, you know what to do. And Aro stands up straight, only slightly taller than Roshgal. Roshgal is... Very 
He's probably six six, six seven. He's a huge dude. And so they're almost eye to eye, uh, with Aro being a little bit taller, and Aro raises his hands and forms the orb again that he had previously and hurls it right at Roshgal. Roshgal throws his golden blade up and the magic, while doesn't disperse, it resists against the blade and starts wrapping around him, like almost like like uh, like the tendrils of a kraken. And it, it's almost like they're striking him and you can hear him kind of <laughs> as he gets hit by them. But finally, he pushes back with the golden blade and the magical energy strikes Aro and Aro's eyes go wide and he's sucked into a point and disappears. Roshgal falls, his sword clattering to the stone and the rock wall that he had thrown up also crumbles. And you watch as the group of parents surround him and you can hear Gorm, Rosh, Rosh, are you okay? Rosh. And you can see Zara rushing next to him and like holding his face and like like brushing his hair back and like and then she like grabs him and holds him close and then the chamber starts to shift and you guys watch as slowly in the chamber little flowers start sprouting up everywhere. And suddenly all of you seem to be in the realm of he who sits on the throne of vines. You can see the white, pallid complexion of the th- of the he who sits on the throne of vines as he's sitting in his throne, and they all look up, and he lifts a finger, and he says to the, to the group, Have you made your choice? And Gorm steps forward, and he nods, and he says, Yes, we will do whatever we can to protect them. And he who sits on the throne of vines looks at Roshgal. And him. And Zara looks up and she's got tears in her eyes and she says, anything to protect him as well. And he seems to regard Roshgal laying there who looks like he's dying. And he opens his hand and he starts to slowly close it. And you watch as Roshgal starts to slink down. And suddenly you hear, (coughs) Roshgal as a baby. And that's where the imagery ends. <laughs> and you guys are floating back in the bag of holding. What was that? <laughs> what? Your dad's a baby? <laughs> Wait. Baby right, daddy. Everybody. And suddenly you hear a <laughs> and a raven <laughs> flies by. And then you feel yourselves being ripped out of the bag of holding suddenly, like being wrenched and Tomar, as you're standing there among all the Karagar, you feel the bag of holding start to like undulate and you watch as it's just kind of like and then the the mouth of it uncinches and come tumbling out are Pinwin, Gorbel, and Ura right onto the cobblestones. What the? Oh my gosh. Beer. I want to go back in there. <laughs> Where's Dildo? Why didn't we do this sooner? What the heck? Where's Dildane? Did you grab him out of the bag? <laughs> Why are you asking us? He was in the bag with you. I'll try to grab a Dildane out of, of the bag. A bunch of shit is in the bag with us. I reach in again and I try and grab Dildane. So you and Pinwin are both try yeah. to reach yes. in there to grab it. <laughs> Neither of you can find purchase on a Dildane. Wow. Did you lose him in there? 
How do you lose them? I mean, I guess maybe. I don't understand my bag, I think. Did How do you, you know this bag thing? is not secure? I don't know anything about the bag. Well, other things can can come in and out. Like my mom. Was the king in there? I didn't see him. We got we got sidetracked. Wait, your my mom? I will gladly go in again because that was cool. What is going wait, wait. on? Okay, so my mom showed up. Hang well, on, hang we, on. we saw a Does deal this day. need to be a private conversation? <laughs> you just look around and there's a bunch of car guard just watching. I'm looking, yeah, around, for staring. I'm looking around for Hexel. <laughs> you don't see Hexel. Yes. It should be private. <laughs> All right. Uh, come with me and I lead them back. Well, I, I give a knowing nod to Balar, like assuming that he knows what to do. Yeah, um, he, he just kind of waves you off. And uh, then I, I let you take care of this. I lead them back up the elevator into the Soul Forge. And I find a place where we can just kind of hang out there. Well, after I say goodbye to the kids and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you say goodbye, and then you guys walk through that like all-white chamber that you guys remember where you found Romar. And then you ride in the floating little elevator up to the top of the city itself where the Soul Forge is. And it's a big flat plane that goes off about 300 to 400 feet in each direction. It's a big circle. And then it just a steep drop off, and you know you're suspended above above a gigantic, like, yawning cavern. As we're doing, like, as we're moving this whole time, I just keep like looking at my bag wide eyed and like kind of peeking in there, just like, what? <laughs> on our way, on our way there, I tell them what happened with Wyra in the Soul Forge, and I tell them my plans to keep them here under safety and stuff, and how crazy everything was outside the bag. Well, Hexel loves kids, so I think they'll be fine. That guy always weirded me out, but... Why? I don't know. Just the statue things and just being so tied to death or whatever. But I thought you were into that. <laughs> why would I be into that? Because you're all about, like, statues of dead dwarves. What happened in the bag, Gorbel? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, where do I even begin? With what happened in the bag. <laughs> so, we're in the bag. That's... Naturally. That's, yes. yes. So we go right. into the bag. It's vast. It's crazy. It's dark. It's weird. Cool. <laughs> we hear we hear Dildane, and you know, we know it's him, because you, you know his voice and his... That stupid thing he always but My says, friends! But, yeah. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> that's it. Well, he shows up, and... You know, he's he seems okay. Um, it was nice to catch up a little bit. But he told us that there was somebody there that wanted to see us. And it turns out it was my mom. But as a bird. And What? Okay, so your mom was in <clears throat> the bag and wait, are you sure you were in the bag? Well, the bird takes us to this other place and it was like almost like a different plane and the bird turns into like my mom the raven queen and and looks super cool standing there and she's telling us that that she's not constrained by bags or anything and it was really <laughs> badass and and then she was like i gotta show you guys something and she takes us back to this memory and she's not there it's just us but we're in the cave we're in the cave outside of Moonreach, and we can hear stuff so we we tried to be sneaky, but it didn't matter because we didn't even make sound. 
nobody could hear us. It was we so were the night. Cool. So <laughs> we're in that tunnel and we can hear voices and it sounds like our parents, but it also sounds like us. And we creep forward and we listen and we look and it's us. It's us seeing them us as adults seeing them with us as babies you know doing whatever they were doing oh so when we you remember the time when we met them in the past yes okay so it was that yeah and and it was crazy um aro showed up the master showed up they started attacking and then this dude comes out and he looked so much like beldan it was creepy but it wasn't beldan it was roshkal it was my freaking dad it was their dad man it was so cool it was my dad and he comes up and he's fighting and it's really crazy he's throwing up walls of rock and he pulls out this super awesome sword Hang and on. it's blocking that what? what okay your dad what that a finish why does he look <laughs> like beldan i don't know but but there's more and i have a theory okay so he's really cool and he has skin like me and he's throwing shit up and he's looking really badass and they're fighting each other and then and then he doesn't do so hot and he falls um and the wall comes down and all of our parents are still on the other side and they rush around him That's okay. and then we were all transported into the realm of he who sits on the throne of vines and we saw we saw him that father it wasn't lewin <laughs> it was father and they're all talking about how they're going to do anything to save us and to and to protect him. And they're referring to to Roth, Roshkal. to Roshkal. And and then he he turns into a baby. What? Yeah. Her dad <laughs> is a baby. I know. I know. This sounds like this sounds like that time that I ate a ton of ox meat and got really sick and then got that fever. And then I kept waking up and telling you about those crazy dreams. Well, I it was know. uncooked. I told you not to eat it uncooked. They said that's how the locals liked it. We were in our hometown. <laughs> <laughs> I've been away. <laughs> Trends, wait, culinary wait, wait, trends wait. You like, catch on. Shut up. <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned a sword, right? That yeah, your dad it was had? gold. It was gold, and it was like it was blocking magic, and it he was, was like cool. the master's magic. Yeah, and Aros. Does that sound familiar to me at all? Mm, give me a history check. Fourteen. Um, no, it doesn't really, though, I guess vaguely in your mind, you can remember just a very, like, just a fleeting memory of your dad talking about one of his old comrades who had a golden blade that was said could cut through spells. That sounds like a very useful blade. Mm -hmm. Did you see what happened to the sword? No, I didn't. But I think... Wait, no. Wasn't Beldan older than us? He was. How old did that baby look? Like, very, very babyish. Oh. <laughs> was that Lars? Oh. Oh. I don't know. Why did it look so much like Beldan? Right. It could have been Beldan. But we were. Is Beldan your dad? No, Beldan was older than us. <laughs> yeah. So how does that work? I 
mean, how old were oh, we but then? Beldam, but maybe we were, were we on pause because we were in the, we were in that realm for a while? I don't know, man. Ah, oh, I don't know. Who's that? Who's maybe my he's, baby dad? Maybe he's, maybe it's Smoochy. Maybe it's Lars. It could be anybody. But he looked like Beldan. Smoochy looked like Beldan. No, I should specify the face did not look like Beldan, but at, like the, the way that he kept his hair, his size, like even the even like the way he wore his armor was very Beldan. So it's safe I to don't say understand it's, your clue. So it's safe to say <laughs> that maybe Beldan knew him and looked up to him and styled himself in a similar fashion. Perhaps. That's what I was more trying to imply, sorry. Uh. Okay. So that might be Smoochie. <laughs> um I don't know. Maybe. But but Smoochie was already born, wasn't he? Smoochie was already born. Oh. So maybe it's Lars. Either way, um, how can you guys show me the sword? Can you um, detail it as much as possible in my mind? I may be Penguin. able to... Could I paint the sword now that I saw you it? Could, you could probably do it if you give me performance. Okay. <laughs> well, come over to this basin with me. And we're and while you're doing that, we're gonna switch back to Willem. Willem, you have watched as the the voice of the queen has returned to the ship, and now you're kind of standing there with uh, with your companions. I turn to Brahm and I ask him, "Okay, so Tomar kind of gave me the gist about all of the uh, goings on as far as military strength and." preparations that he's done and stuff like that. I don't recall if he ever talked about anti-naval protocols. What do we what do we have just in case well, this goes south? I think belly button. Typically. I'm so sorry. Oh, naval. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Billy button, is that what you said? Belly button, but Billy button too now. We have a oh. lint gun. <laughs> um, that sounds so cute. <laughs> Sorry, Billy. <laughs> button. <laughs> you just watch him like slowly lower a noose around his neck. Um, <laughs> uh, Brom looks at you. Well, um, naval uh, repulsion wasn't exactly uh, key. We always assumed that the the teeth of the lock would would be a great deterrent. Plus. It was always unlikely that a large ship could, that was capable of warfare, would, would come down the rivers. So it seemed already defensible, uh, but I suppose we could develop something. Are you thinking of attacking the ship? I'm thinking of defending against the ship, just in case. Uh, these people showed up very early, very unannounced, and very oddly, like you said, from a vantage point that they shouldn't have been able to. Uh, so that in itself, whether they intended it or not, is very threatening. And so I think we should absolutely be on the ready for some sort of surprise attack. What do you suggest? What do we have for uh, ranged weaponry? Uh, we've got uh, dozens of archers. Um, we've got I'm sure there's some among us who could fire long-range magical attacks. As far as I'm not there, sir. <laughs> as far as um, actual machinery or or tools, we don't have much in the way of of anything like ballistas or anything like that. Hmm. 
uh, disappointing. Um, I know our recently departed turncoat, possible turncoat friend, Rory, uh, was working on a project with and for Tomar with these constructs. Yes, yes. Did, they were did he have an understudy or somebody that was uh, following in his footsteps that could operate and possibly militarize these constructs just in case we need defense? Uh, I, I suppose so. Uh, yes, they, uh, he was uh, constantly hanging out with Weirin. Um, I, I would say that Weirin probably would be the best person to approach on that. Do you want, do you want me to find him? Uh, definitely get word out. Uh, do you have a firm grasp or understanding of all of our uh, tactical advantages as far as our defenses go? Or is I there would, somebody else I that's would, more in charge of that? I would say that I have a, a fairly good mind for it, though as much as it pains me to admit it, uh, Dirk might be the, the person that we want to uh, ask about that. There's something about his mind that defies all logic, despite <laughs> his personality detriments. He's like Fry, like how the, <laughs> the brain would, didn't work on him because he was so <laughs> stupid. Um... That, that actually makes a lot of sense uh, with recent developments. Uh, what I would ask you to do uh, is going to be twofold. Yes. Possibly trifold. Uh, um, <laughs> gatefold. <laughs> gatefold. Uh, double LP. Original pressing, 1998. Um, <laughs> get word to Weirin uh, and gather up all of the able-bodied and minded people that are able to work on and mobilize the constructs. I'm also going to ask that you get all of the people that, in, that are in charge of or are part of our militia or our town guard uh, to mobilize and be on the ready. And if I could also get you to locate Dirk and send him this way. We're going to need to set up a essentially a base of operations here, I think, at the at the docks. Tell him uh, we're in trouble. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, yes, I'm on it. And he gives you like a, a chest salute and he runs off. <laughs> and uh, it, after a, a, maybe 10 minutes, Dirk comes sauntering your way. Oh, hey, what's, uh, what's going on, Willem? Uh, we have not completely unexpected visitors, but very early and abrupt visitors. Talk about the queen? I am. All right. Uh, I, I'm not sure that anything will be needed, but in these uncertain times, who knows? So I need us to come up with a possible battle plan uh, to defend against this ship and possibly other magical uh, attackers. I, I have the feeling that they're not showing their full hand right now. You think that there's a danger of uh, them them attacking? I don't want to rule it out. I gotcha. I gotcha. No, that's that's smart. That's think very tactical. Um, so, and he kind of looks around. I would say, and he looks up and where you can see the outcropping of the, where the uh, Shade Gazer Manor is, uh, kind of that leans out over the harbor um, high above. I would say that would be our best and most defensible position because we can put long, longbows up there and they'll still have plenty of range in order to uh, fire down on anything. And that would be 
my best uh, estimation of where we could most easily defend. I would not keep many people here on the docks except for maybe as bait if that's what you're thinking uh, mostly because it's harder to defend and if they had to um, retreat they would have to run all the way up the uh, the stairs up there and he indicates the like the long stone passage that had been kind of built up because the the dock is down pretty much below the city um, and he's like he's like looking around and kind of like pointing out different locations uh, although if you could get a boat out to uh, that tooth right out there and he points to one of the closer outcroppings of rock he was like there's a there's a little there's a little almost like platform out there that's formed naturally by the rock you could uh, you could stow somebody up there just in case as kind of like a warning symbol uh, maybe put them up there with like a, a war horn or anything like that as kind of a, a ready symbol uh, that would be my uh, initial uh, suggestion and uh, yeah uh, what, what do you have to as, as far as uh, as like bows and stuff that'll only do so much it won't really do much for a ship that far out although if they get closer we'll be able to rain down hell on them uh, I wish we had some other capabilities that would be you know like a like some sort of uh, ballista we have a we have uh, we have a, a repurposed harpoon but the distance isn't going to be that good uh, Brahm is looking for Weirin right now, who is the understudy of Rory. And he snaps his fingers. That's a good idea. You're thinking constructs. I am. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, so what do you need me to do? I think our first order of business is to appear just that. Everything is business as usual. Slowly but quickly replace all the dock workers with our town guard so that we have able-bodied people on the front lines uh, that aren't going to be taken off guard if something does pop off. Uh, I I agree with your assessment of getting ranged weaponry up on that cliff. Let's assemble all of our best shots up there. I imagine you'll be going up there too then? I'm more than likely going to be bouncing back and forth between locations. Um, who Who would you suggest that we get out there as lookout? out on that uh, that outcropping of rocks. Well, the only person that would be able to tell him to go out there would be you, but I would put Brahm out there. Do you have a second choice? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I suppose uh, there's a few other archers, but Brahm's got good eyes. And Can I roll insight on his intentions for Brahm? Yeah, do sure. I, like, do I know if they have like some sort of history? Um, yeah, you can roll insight. Let's see. Okay, that just seems like I'm wasting. But he's I'm wasting oh, my brom. <laughs> but he's supposed to be on our team, right? Uh oh, reliable talent. Fuck yes. Okay. Uh twenty. Or no, sorry, uh, nineteen. Nineteen. So Normally, when you like interact with Dirk, you you kind of get the impression of like kind of a bumbling oath oaf, but you you notice that when he's speaking about tactics and stuff like that, there's a lot more confidence in what he says, and it's almost like he's he's it's almost like he's viewing it as like a exciting game almost, and you don't in, you don't um, like sense any malice, uh, but you do think that he's you know he's always been very forthright. So if you did have any questions as to why, he'd probably answer. I turned to Len. Who would you suggest we uh, put out there as lookout? I would suggest whoever is uh, mo- has the most to lose by this all going south. Maybe yourself. Maybe 
As Dirk suggested Braum, though I don't know much about Braum other than uh, that he is a very good shot. He was uh, he was very very highly regarded for his his archery abilities. It sounds like yeah, either maybe you or Braum, and I know you wanted to kind of go back and forth. Of course, I could go out there if you if you want, though. I mean, no, we'll we'll need both of you here, uh, just in case uh, the tides shift. Forgive the saying. Uh, that's a good one. So I like the, that. I like that the, the, that saying. I, I have not yet heard that, but I will add it to my repertoire, <laughs> and that way I can, uh, when, when I want to interact at the tavern, I can be like, oh, man, fight starts breaking out. People are like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, the tides are shifting. Is the Chaos Company still in town, or did they leave? They are, as far as you know, still there. I think we're going to utilize, we'll utilize Brahm as lookout, but we also want, I want to arm him with something uh, just in case they do try to mobilize and they have more ships that try to come more inland. Uh, let's let's talk to Let and see if he has anything that uh, Brom could use to kind of toss in their pathway to to limit their mobility. Um, and I, I look around uh, to see if there's anybody else that I can see or think for a second, you know, because I've got... Koth and Rufus here with me too, mm-hmm. and Miraluk. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I see uh, Bocha's dragon or any of that? You don't see it down there. You could assume that uh, it's probably up in the actual like vicinity of the of the main portion of the of Wolf's Rest. Okay. Um, as long as our friends are susceptible to the idea, I believe having a bird's eye view can behoove us as well. And I think I'd like to ask Bocha to maybe fly. I guess what what time of day is it? Uh, it's mm, getting close to evening now. Okay. Is do we have uh, what's the the weather like? Check. According to us, it was fine out. Maybe a chance of flurries. Yeah. <laughs> you were the only ones. Let me look at the calendar. It'd be funny if. They're just there for niceness, <laughs> and they don't attack at all. But it is good of you to be planning for this. Um, it looks as though it actually is a chance of flurries, and in fact, it is starting to flurry right now. Say, <laughs> so okay. oh yeah. Oh so, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no. He was doing that this morning a bunch. <laughs> oh um, yeah. Our, uh, what's the cloud situation like? Uh, heavy cloud coverage. Stray. Perfect. Perfect. Ooh. Okay. Picking up, the uh, wind's picking up a little bit. It's getting chilly. If is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, if Bocha is amenable to it, I'd like for him to uh, stay above the clouds, but dip down low enough to keep a lookout to see if he sees anything shifting, or if he sees anything else up there that they might have up their sleeve uh, that we're not able to see either. Um. They still have the ship with them too, right? The flying ship, yeah. The airship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rufus, what do you think about also kind of keeping an eye out there and patrolling the skies to make sure that they don't come at us from above too? Well, I think that's a good idea. I think uh, that's a fantastic idea. Perfect. Okay. I can bring her up. We can drop down if we need to. Perfect. Okay. All right. Uh, let's start mobilizing and. Getting all this put together, uh, I'm gonna want Brom, Weirin, Len, and Dirk to check in with me. Uh, 
odd question for everybody here. Does anybody have the ability to cast telepathic bond? They all kind of look around at each other and everybody kind of shrugs. Okay. Uh, Len, Dirk, what what would you suggest we use as a s- signal uh, to let everybody know that things have gone south and that we're going to prepare for battle? I think you know uh, the answer to that. I, I would I would say the I would have I would give uh, Brom a horn so that he can announce it if things start going south. He'll be out there with the with the the best uh, idea of what that that could possibly be. Len nods. I would say yes if there's a war horn of some kind. Definitely uh, one long. Uh, typically in our army, one long one is prepare. Two is immediate attack. Three is retreat. Okay, perfect. Brom, does all that sound good to you? That all sounds very, very fine. Yes, I can, I can do that. I will right. not fail you again. Oh. Sorry, but <laughs> um, okay. Hopefully, we don't even need to be doing any of this, but just in case. Better safe than sorry. In case, and he leans in. The tides shift. Am I right? You got it, man. All right. Uh, anybody have any questions before we disperse? Uh, n- no, I think uh, I think this is this is good. Um, I think you, you got a good good plan here in in effect, just in case. And if things you know things are just normal, then I think that uh, everything will be uh, just okay, and and they'll never know that we were mobilizing against them just in case. And they probably anticipate that that could be a possibility. I mean, they are a warring nation. Uh, they, they, they understand combat and, and, and how war works, so I can't imagine that they would even be ignorant to that idea. What does everybody think of me and maybe one or two others going out to the ship to meet them as kind of like a ambassador capacity um well i guess uh dirk's like looking around at it i suppose it depends on on the level of trust it could it could end up being really good i'm not i'm not i'm more with the the tactics of warfare not so much with the tactics of you know diplomatic stuff uh he kind of looks over at len and len kind of shrugs that's the the same i focus more on field of war uh, is there anyone that you know of here that might be good at interacting with uh, kind of the upper crust or the upper echelon of society is there I can't think of anybody off the top of uh, give me an intelligence roll just a straight intelligence 22 22 um, you're having a tough time figuring out who m- could possibly uh, be best to kind of advise you on this you might be on your own uh you feel you worry so you might have to make that decision without any advice okay uh i think just to try and maybe get a feel for what their plan is or what they could possibly have up their sleeve i think i'll row out there with maybe one or two confidants see if we can parlay out uh, all right. Um, who are you taking with you? <laughs> party screen opens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Choose a party. Uh, we're definitely going to roll with Vincent and Sid. Now, uh, <laughs> Miraluk. Miraluk nods and kind of walks forward. And did uh, did Yarfrey get in the bag? No. Is Yarfrey still there? Yarfrey is still there. He's kind of watching in the outskirts. I think I'll take Just- Yarfrey with me. <laughs> and Yarfrey nods. 
We're sure that he, he didn't forward. come to the Soul Forge, right? Pretty sure. Okay. I think it was just Ura. Yeah, I think it was just Ura. Yeah, I feel, feel a lot better having like an ancient dragon and an archbay going with me. Mm-hmm. He said out them. loud in front of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, I said the loud part quiet, Matter the quiet part loud. <laughs> I mean, oh, no. You guys ever hear a Dildane? What's he up to? <laughs> so they... uh they uh, kind of shore up with you, and um, you can see that there's a couple of boats that you would have access to, little rowboats, if that's what you'd like. And uh, Yarfrey looks over at the boat and then looks at you. I'm not exactly super comfortable with the idea of getting in that little thing, but I'll do it. Do you have trouble swimming? Mm-hmm. I don't know about this form. Mm. You know, I'm also not in incredibly comfortable with setting out on this <laughs> terrain. Uh, Mirla just pushes through you two. <laughs> oh, it's going to be all right, you two crybabies. Just hop in the little boat. Let's go. It's not that far. It's not that far. <laughs> and he just like hops off the dock onto a little pier and then hops into the boat and is just standing in the center. I'm doing like the little kid thing where I like one step <laughs> with like two feet and stuff like that and like turning around <laughs> like on all fours and then like Climbing down. <laughs> That's me climbing out of a tree house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that exactly that. Very right. cautious. As and they go, the boat just slowly towards. goes down into the water. <laughs> Mira Lux, Lux just posing like Washington <laughs> like in the, yeah. the, the Hudson painting, yeah. crossing the Hudson. And so you guys head towards the ship? <laughs> yes. All right, we're going to switch back to the others in uh, Wirecrag. All right, so I know that you guys were in the middle of battle when I was last here doing my thing with the long beard. Um, Gorbel, can I yes. see your wolf blood blade? Well, they're talking. Yes. I did, but start be careful. Painting. Okay, I accidentally grab it by the blade. Ow! <laughs> oh! Uh, I'm oh, going. Now you're my thrall. I'm you going. Mean, ow! I'm going to cast Identify on this, and I want to learn everything possible about this sword. No details left out, Seth. All right, then you might have to cast it at a higher level. I don't think it matters. I think it works as intended on first level. I don't think higher levels change anything. It will if there's something obfuscating it. Mm. Obfuscating? Obfuscating. Mm. Uh, What did you get on your performance roll, by the way, Pinwin? 28. All right, I'll cast it. I'll cast it at ninth level. Fuck it. Oh, not fucking around now. That's a sexy level. Well, I wanted <laughs> 69th level. Whoa. <laughs> oh, you said ninth. <laughs> so you cast identify at ninth level and you get the basic stuff at first. You know that it is a, uh, it's the wolf blood blade, legendary weapon, uh, long sword. It is, uh, it has a one D eight, uh, attack slashing, uh, and you know that it's a crooked and dangerous-looking longsword with a black blade and a bloody hue. The edge itself appears serrated in sections as though the very teeth of the blade itself. The blade is poisoned by wolf blood, the most poisonous plant in the world, and any creature hit with this weapon must make a con save at disadvantage or take an additional 1d6 poison damage. On a critical hit, target takes an extra 2d6 damage. And as you cast it at a higher level, you feel this resistance against the blade, Tomar. And as almost as if something's pushing back, trying to keep you from revealing 
everything about it, but you really, you start concentrating and you can, you guys are watching and you can kind of see this like fiery glow move about Tomar's form and suddenly almost as if it shatters through something, you get some additional information about the Wolfblood Blade. The Wolfblood Blade was forged long ago, though the maker's name is unknown. However, it does say that with a you can bond, the owner can bond with the Wolfblood Blade with a phrase. And once that happens, it unlocks the fuller capabilities of the blade, mm. including the damage becomes 1d12 as opposed to 1d8 or 1d10. It's uh, going to be 1d12 regardless. Uh, the phrase is wolf and thorn, bone and blade, thus the dark brood now is made. That unlocks it and bonds the user with the blade. The blade to them as opposed to them bonding to the blade. It's an important distinction. Um, the This also allows the user to summon an unspecified number of their followers to them at a moment's notice once per day. It also allows once per day uh, to release a blast in a 30-foot radius focusing on one target. The range is 30 feet. And if that target is under 100 HP, they will instantly die. It also has the quality that it can pierce abyssal-made creatures and constructions and any attack during an ab- with an abyssal creature after it's been bonded does an additional plus three to an abyssal creature. Wow. Wow. Okay. So I describe all of that. Um, it sounds like you can actually use this to your advantage. Uh, the, the werewolves that you've had that are possibly following you and causing nefarious things, you might be able to just make them do your bidding with this. If you actually, if you actually bond with the blade, but man, this whole time I had so little understanding of this. Um, so what happens when they bond to the blade? Uh, it basically unlocks it and it, then that blade, uh, I guess I could have probably said this to be a little bit more descriptive, but basically it implies the blade becomes that person's blade. Like it is, no one else can use it. Is there any negative aspects of the bond? You have not, you did not read any, so you can assume that there, in addition to what uh, has already been kind of distinguished, that's pretty much the extent of it. What were you going to say, Gorbel? Can somebody else bond with it while I'm in possession of it? It doesn't say, but maybe. Okay, let me lay it on you here. (laughs) So, what this basin does, what this workbench does, it allows you to take one weapon or magic item and imagine a new one. Um, It takes a lot of magical energy. You use the power of the Soul Forge to do it. Now that you know what this sword does, I don't know if it's inherently cursed or evil or anything. I didn't get the sense that it was. There was a lot of weird resistance from it. I don't know if it's sentient or something, but and I don't know if you have other weapons on you, other powerful things, but we might Not be really. able to we might be able to if we wanted to take one weapon or magic item and replicate the 
powers of the sword from that vision. I don't know where that sword could be in real life now, but it's possible is what I'm saying. If you have, if you guys have anything you want to change or maybe create something different, we could do that here. If, if, if it was something that we thought was important or worth the time. And I don't know where we're going after this, um, but I don't know if we're going to be back anytime soon. So this might be the last chance to do anything like that. I know that I gave up Steel Song, I gave up Karag's Fury, and then I got the long beard from it. But I've been working with this thing more and more, so we might be able to control what we make next out of it. But that's up to you guys. I don't know what gear you have. Well, I don't think I should give up the Wolf Blood Blade, since I already have some some wolves out there. What's interesting is I don't know what would happen if you did to those people. And yeah. And what happens if you summon them and you summon Lila? And is she going to be evil or will she, no matter what, be suffering to your will, no matter what? Well, I'm wondering if because I'm not bonded to it, they have some sort of free will or the ability to to become loyal to to someone else. Well, if you're going to if you're going to keep the wolf blood blade, I highly recommend you bond with it. If you're going to do it, because we might need that to hit the chrysalis at all. Absolutely. Um, What did you say those words were? Wolf and thorn, bone and blade, thus the dark brood now is made. And I can just say it like right now and you think it'll it'll bond me? Yeah. Does there have to be any kind of ceremony to it? No, you just got to be holding it. Okay, give her here. I hand it back to her. Hey, not Sorry. With well, the point. you you you're familiar with this. You shouldn't have cut yourself. I didn't cut myself. It's just a little little scream. Okay. All right. Pinwin, give me a little music here to get me in the mood. I'll bust out my loot. Did I paint the sword though? Is that done? Yes. The image hangs in the air. Okay. Oh, I was like planning on using like my dad's paintbrush. Yeah. So the image oh, okay. hangs in the air. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And I'll bust out my lute and start playing a song. Okay, so Pinwin starts playing like this nice, elaborate little ditty for you. All right. Here I go, you guys. Wolf and thorn, blood and blade, thus the dark brood now is made. It's bone and blade. (laughs) Ah, shit. This is like Army of Darkness (laughs) all over again. (laughs) Fuck up the incantation. Edit edit that out. (laughs) All right. Here I go, you guys. Wolf and thorn, bone and blade, Thus the dark brood now is made. And everything starts to dim around Gorbel, almost as if like a shadow falls over her. I don't like that. And you can't see anything around you now, Gorbel, except for the sword in your hands, which now kind of glows with like this dark purple light. And you hear a voice behind you, more of a, it's, it's, it's a voice, but it's like almost like an animal, like guttural growl. And you hear... I see you, Wolf Queen. Do you unlock the power of this blade? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She asks in the darkness. (laughs) from From the darkness, a gigantic, clawed, furry hand reaches out and touches the blade and, like, wraps around your hand as well. 
holding onto it, and it's a very tight grip. Tomar, you suddenly see the forge spring to life, (laughs) and a shimmering light strikes out of it and hits the darkness, and just as this grip is getting super, super strong on you, Gorbel, the darkness disperses, (laughs) and you can hear, all of you, a voice in your head, not in my presence, and the light recedes into the forge again. Ooh, you pissed off Agraman. Back to you, Willem. You arrive Whoa. at the boat, at the ship, and you see some soldiers up there, and they and they see you, and they, they wave. Hello! Uh, I am Willem <laughs> Valtel. Uh, speaking on behalf of Wolf's Rest, I'd like to parlay with the queen. Oh, uh, yes. And then uh, you see a, like a more more signified soldier walk up and they interact for a second. And he looks back down. Oh, okay. And they roll a a rope ladder down to you. All right, I go first. Okay, you climb up and they kind of help you up as you you get over the top or they at least attempt to. uh, it is. It is good to meet you. These uh, these uh, alliances are always, you know, they are always exciting for the rest of us. Uh, it is. It is very exciting to see you here. Uh, our queen will be very happy. And you watch as Yarfrey comes over, and then floating up from the <laughs> the boat comes Miraluk, and he sits down, and the soldiers kind of look at him like with awe. That is a cool trick. That is very cool. And they like like start like interacting with each other and like nodding and looking back at him and. Um, and the more like signified soldier, you can tell he's maybe a captain or something. Uh, he's, he looks you up and down. Right this way, sir. And he turns and starts marching towards this large center cabin. However, just at that moment, out of the corner of your eye, Willem, you see a flash. <laughs> and then another one. <laughs> and as you look out, you can see these big portals opening up. <laughs> and from the portals emerges ships, but they're not Rodian ships. Oh, okay, okay. They're Veldalinian ships. And then you hear... Two tuts from the Warhorn. And that's where we're going to end for the night. Shazba! Well... If it wasn't them, it was going to be somebody else, right? Gorbel, your sword is evil. (laughs) Is it? Yes. Yeah, dude. Like, fucking awaken or whatever the dark brood. (laughs) Because I'm just going to go outside and I'm going to do it anyway. Well, I mean, that's your problem, not mine. Just go to the bathroom and (laughs) just like in there, like just whispering the the phrase. Yeah, All right. Tell me why you guys. That that's bad juju. But I mean, <laughs> uh, but what I was it again? It. <laughs> Tell me why you guys deserve five points of boon. And butts and blades <laughs> for touching blades <laughs> and seeing and relaying visions and and what else did we do? Pinwin. This episode will be titled "Bags and Blades." That's pretty much it. I offered to transmog gear if they were interested. Um, I dis- At the workbench? I discussed plans for my progeny, the future, protecting the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I grabbed Nugget by the foot. <laughs> Tried to get Dildane. Tried to get him. Wasn't there. Yeah. Wasn't home. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Stratego. Yeah. <laughs>
Uh, yeah, what else did you guys do? That's it. That was the episode. I painted that sword, but um, I don't know if it's effective. Yeah, Willem made plans. We saw yeah. stuff. Yeah, he developed the whole tactical response. That was Tomar wild. tried to protect his kids. Mm-hmm. Been watching a lot of West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, everyone gets five points of boo! Can we ever say anything where we won't get the five points of boo? Just Maybe. out of curiosity. We did we did jack shit. <laughs> it's more to <laughs> it's more to see if you were paying set. attention than anything else. That's Jesus. Fair. We did fuck all. <laughs> all right, now it's time for tonight's MVPC! Oh, yeah. The most valuable player character. I want you guys to decide who deserves an additional five points of boon. For those of you listening at home, Willem is one, Tomar is two, Penwin is three, and Gorbel is four. I will give you a moment to decide who you believe deserves that five points of boon, and then I will count to three. And then you'll hold up the number of fingers corresponding to the person that you vote for. Please take a moment and consider your answer. Is everybody ready? Yes. All right. One, two, three, vote. All right, we've got two votes for Willem. Oh, so close. One vote it. for Tomar and one vote for Pinwin. Willem, why did you vote for Pinwin? Yeah, why? Uh, just because it was kind of his idea to get in the bag to begin with, and that set off a chain of events of back to the futuring. Back to the future. <laughs> yeah. Back to uh, the future. Episode nine. Yeah, like oh, totally that's it. better, yep. Nice. Uh, and painting the sword. I think is really cool. That was a that was a good idea. Like, yeah, I really want that sword. Yeah, much more uh-huh. than Wolf Blood I, Blade. I want you to have that sword. Yeah. I want you to have Steel Song. I want you to have that sword, and I want you to have uh, Long Beard all at the same time, <laughs> and just fucking be a tornado of fuckery. Maybe there's another magic item we could sacrifice to make the sword. Can you grow some extra arms? Yes. Just hold one in your teeth. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pinwin, why did you vote for... Tomar. Who did you vote for? Tomar. Tomar. Or Tomar? Yes. Yeah, why did you vote for Tomar? Because I thought it was good that he made future plans for his kids, and that was a nice moment. And then also, <coughs> like, yeah, he found out stuff about Gorbel's blade that we've been wondering this whole campaign. Hey, yeah, I did. That was pretty <laughs> dang wild. And now he doesn't wow. want me to use it to no, its full it's potential. Evil. I mean, dark brood. <laughs> He's stifling brood. me. <laughs> dark brood. Yeah, that's part of the phrase. You guys just don't want me to find new friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I keep uh, thinking Gorbel. about the vision, too. The one where you're getting chased by your own that's futile happening now. That's my current reality. <laughs> We keep getting so close to doing the Gorbel, why did you vote for Willem? Because it's not Tomar, and he's not telling me what to do with my life. (laughs) Um, I'll take it. I chose Willem because he was all on his own making plans and taking care of business and utilizing our runes, which I, I... like that's exactly what I would have done and I thought that was a good use of of strategy and I thought it was I really appreciated that he took rather than like a a super aggressive approach more of that diplomatic kind of approach I like it I like where it's going and you can still add your sneaks with it I think it's good Mm -hmm. so I I like the way he did that 
Zelmar, why did you vote for Absolutely. Willem? He was full on like Battle of the Blackwater, mm-hmm. making preparations on all fronts. Yep. Uh, he had good. stuff planned for uh, using Let's Potions. He had, uh, he was deciding who to put up on the higher perches mm-hmm. for ranged attacks. He was utilizing my constructs. He, he was getting shit done and he was doing it very intelligently and without anyone to hamper him <laughs> just so, holding down the fort so we should just i'm do, sorry i just started laughing because Lindsay put the yeah. applause up we should just keep uh keep yes. willem in wolves dress forever and have him be the, the mayor or something all Stop right letting us get in your way yeah you can do your thing uh, that means tonight's MVPC is Willem Valtel. Oh, yeah. Thanks, And use it to defend the city or something else. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for tonight, folks. Uh, it was a, a jam-packed episode. I guess we're going to see what fucking goes down in the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely keep uh, keep subscribed, keep listening. Uh, thanks to Chad Piper for that awesome intro song. Thanks to Adrian Von Ziegler for that beautiful background music. Thanks to all of you listeners. We really appreciate you. We love you to death. And uh, please, if you're listening and you enjoy what you're hearing, uh, go over to iTunes and please consider giving us a five- star rating or leaving us a review any reviews that we receive we do read uh, on the podcast also consider checking out our patreon we've got tons of tiers and extra special goodies that might entice you to help keep this thing going because uh, it's definitely uh, the kind of the the season if you will for uh considering the chocolate milk famine that you know things can be a little bit more difficult but we're uh, we're still making episodes we're still you know going out of our way to make sure that we can provide you the best content possible thank you Lindsay, for the applause <laughs> and uh the applause emoji you can and also yeah, email just, us like uh send us uh fan art send us inquiries of any kind we love questions yeah questions yeah. about the show anything um and if you check out our patreon you also have the ability to donate campfire stories to us to read and labor which, over which we love questions, questions. not stories love. don't give us stories please don't give us campfire I mean, stories you could give yeah us don't stories. give us stories. unless they're really salacious then we might read them <laughs> and then she said I don't know who you are. Get the fuck out of my house. Ooh. As she unbuttoned her parka. Because <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, it was quite cold. Oh. I hope um, you like hot yeah. chocolate with marshmallows. <laughs> How do you like this? Um, thanks for listening, folks. Once again, we really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. I am your host and DM, Seth. And this is the D20 Syndicate podcast, where we go on adventures so you don't have to. Adios! Oh, yeah! Oh, it's crossing the Delaware. (laughs) That's my favorite position.
previously on the mini <laughs> on the mini roommate. Fucked it up. <laughs> previously. If somebody dies at someone else's funeral, do you think they try to do a two for one deal? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I feel like they there's a documentary like, about that. There's room in this the, fucking thing. <laughs> roll them over on the casket yeah, and yeah. tuck them in. Yeah. Tuck them in. <laughs> if we do like a head to toe situation, that'll probably work. We don't want face to ass. <laughs> you don't want to spend like eternity kind face of like to a, ass. Maybe if we did like their leg, then their leg, then their leg, then their leg. <laughs> Yeah, the spider stuff. You have to cut off their leg to make them fit. <laughs> I was going to say scissors. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I mean, that would also work. You just connect them together and drop them in. Uh, Hang we're on. Gonna I got know. a bunch of bungee cords out in the pickup. We can make this work. All right, that's okay. This happens. Same, same thing at my mama's funeral. We'll, we'll be just they fine. have the casket, and then they have the other dead guy on top of it, and then they use the bungee cord like yes. on top of him. Then yes. it comes loose, and he <laughs> flips off on the highway. <laughs> they're, they're carrying. Are they transporting him in a, the back of a pickup as well? Yeah, they don't have a that day. <laughs> I like, oh, they put him in an El Camino. <laughs> A convertible hearse. Like limbs flapping in the wind wildly. (laughs) People are driving by and honking. (laughs) Woo, yeah, party. Oh, your bungee cord come undid. (laughs) You got yourself a weekend at Bernie's situation back there. You got to fix that. You might want to pull over and fix that. (laughs) Or pull over and party with them. You've yeah, got a wacky inflatable arm flailing corpse back there. And you know that wake is going to be lit. I'm going to do a pant strawberry off the half pipe. <laughs> <laughs> or a tease medieval. That sounds cool. <laughs> That's uh, Michaela's fake actor name <laughs> because we we were we were reading about Westworld and uh <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was somebody's comment on that Reddit post was that they misread no, you you and me were talking about it and we were talking about how we it looked like names because it said season uh, for season two creators of Westworld tease medieval and Roman worlds. And we were like, who's tease medieval and who's Roman worlds and uh, <laughs> tease medieval just became like <laughs> our fake actor name. It should be our band. I like name. it. <laughs> tease medieval and bag to the future. Yeah. Is that what you guys said? Yes. Did you guys say bag to the future? I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Good joke, man. It's funny because yeah, uh, Billy, you're painting the the painting of your face. So is even right if you where leave, you're still there. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Uh, so yeah. Wow. Uh, so yeah. The bag. Any other reason? 